Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again this week. Um, super excited to be with one of my favorite sisters in the whole of Seminary and Institute, uh, Sister Becca Harvey. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you. You have a new assignment with uh, the Institute here at, in Boise. Would you share with everybody what you have been asked to, and your calling? This is a calling, right? Yeah, this is, my world gets a little confusing. Yeah. But I've just been called, well, in February, I found out. Yeah. And then about a month ago, the rest of the world found out that I have been called to serve as the Boise Nampa Institute president. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, Pretty awesome. And, and in addition to that, you actually work for Seminaries Institute. Yeah. Uh, remind us what you do for SNI. Yeah, I'm an adaptive youth teacher yeah. at Centennial and Rocky um, this school year. And who knows what next year will look like, but I am adaptive needs. So I spend my day with all of our friends, have some extra needs, and it's the best. Yeah. Well, at, before we hit record, I was telling Becca how grateful I am for her influence in the Institute as a faculty member here, uh, as well as uh, just as a, a young single adult in the Valley in the the spirit that she brings is fantastic, and so I'm excited for all of you out there to to get to know her a little bit a little bit more today. We've had you on before. Yeah, this isn't the first time. Yeah, so you could go back and listen to some other things that Becca shared with us, and they're they're all fantastic. So excited to be with you. Um, let's just jump in. This week we're John chapter 14 through 17, um, and in, in talking with you before we hit record, there's something in each chapter we're going to go take a look at, and I'm excited to see what uh, what you've got prepared for us. So I'll just turn it over to you. Thank you. Um, I think before we jump totally into the scriptures themselves, I think it's so important to recognize where the Savior is in his mortal ministry in this scripture block. So we're in John 14 through 17 this week. And in 14, I mean, we're right at the end. We're in like the last 24 hours of his life. And I think for me, that sets a tone that what he says is so important to him that that he needs us to know before he dies. Yeah. Like I think about when we have family or friends that are really sick and we know they're going to die, we like want to be at their bedside. Right. And although he was not sick, this is like his bedside moment. And I think when we treat it that way, these things become more significant. Sure. And so just as I was preparing, I had had some really interesting conversations this weekend. One of my dearest friends got married. Huh? And in the YSA world, when someone gets married, it's like either really exciting or really sad. Yeah. <laughs> and normally it's a mix, right? Like, sure. I'm so excited for them and I'm sad for myself or, or and I'm going to miss them or sure. whatever. Right. And so I love that the first verse in chapter 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. Mm. Yea, believe in God. And believe in me. Jesus is like, okay, it's okay to be sad. Yeah. It's going to happen. Well, I love that, that that he knew what was happening and he told them what was going to happen, right? I mean, so clearly in, that the Son of Man will be uh, crucified, even those words being said mm -hmm. in previous chapters. Um, but but they're still not quite grasping and maybe we'll learn that a little bit why that might be the case here in these chapters. But but to think about even Pro President Monson, right, that passed away, we didn't know it at the time, but his last talk about the Book of Mormon and the importance of the Book of Mormon well, I think many in the church look back to that final talk and we, we all immediately go back to the, the last thing they said and think, oh, well, what was their most important thing that they shared as if that's that. And I think that might be true here too. Yeah. And look at what the Savior said. 
I don't know for sure, but I do think I want to hold that space. Yeah. And not, not be troubled. Yeah. 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 So then my question is, I read that because I thought, okay, I, I've seen troubled. Right. <laughs> like recently. Yeah. I felt troubled mm-hmm. recently. So the question I had was, is believing in God in Christ the, the perfect antidote for being troubled? Oh. What an interesting question. Does it solve all the trouble? Eternally, yes. Um, and I think if you have a faith in Christ, eternally you would not be so troubled. Doesn't solve the world's problems, though, does it? No, but they do give us some tools because when I think, okay, believe in God and I'll feel better. And I'm like, okay, I believe. And I still feel sad. <laughs> yeah. You know? So then I was like, there has to be tools because God doesn't give a commandment without instruction. Sure. So as I went through chapter 14, four or five verses in particular stood out to me about what I can physically do that when I do them, I can think there are literal blessings that can help me feel peace. Cool. And if I'm feeling peace, I'm not feeling troubled. Cool. So if we jump to verse 15 okay. in chapter 14, mm. it says, if you love me, keep the commandments. Mm. Easy. Yeah. I love him. I still feel anxious, but if I keep the commandments, at least I know I'm doing one thing right. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I got that. there are real blessings that come from keeping the commandments. Huh. Right? The sweet primary song that says, keep the commandments and this there is safety and this there is peace. Sure. That safety and peace, right? Peace. That's the antidote to most things in life. fun. Keep the commandments. Very simple. And the next, in, the next instruction that we learn from in there, if I do that, there's an if at the beginning of that mm-hmm. sentence, right? Then there's going to be a then. Uh, it says in verse 16, I will pray the Father and ye, he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And I, I know we're going to talk about the Spirit today. We've, we've talked beforehand. But, but there, it's interesting that, that he says, if you keep the commandments, I will interpose between you and the Father, right? It reminded me as soon as, as, soon as you pointed us to that, my brain went to section uh, 45 of the Doctrine and Covenants where, and I think I shared this on the podcast before, but assuming that not everybody listens to every episode, I'll share it again. Um, in section 45, verse 2, uh, sorry, verse 3, it says, listen to him who is the advocate with the Father, who is pleading your cause before him. That phrase, advocate, is I think what he means in verse 16, I will pray the Father, right? I, I'm going to go plead for you with the Father, right? Um, and then he's going to give us comforter. He doesn't in verse 16 tell us what he's going to say. He just says, I'm going to, I'll plead with the Father and then I'll send you a comforter. But section 45 says what he's going to say. It says, behold, Father, the sufferings and death of him who did no sin and whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son. Then verse five, wherefore, Father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name. So he doesn't plead the Father and pray the Father about my cause and what I did, and I was keeping the commandments. He goes and says, she's one of mine. Mm-hmm. And because you said I could have anyone that I claim, yeah. I'm claiming her, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing because he just says, keep the commandments, I'll go to the Father, and I'll send you the gift of the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. right? Pretty cool. It's so cool. And then in verse 17, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelt with you and shall be in you. That's cool. That's insightful knowing what we know, that the Savior is not going to be with them much longer. Sure. And if we pause this to think about our close friends, you and I have lost some close friends right. this semester, and it's devastating. And these 12 men, that was their best friend. Yeah. And they had no idea he was going to be gone, but he knew and he had a plan. <laughs> and I think... He knows when our people are going to be gone. And he has a plan. 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Mm. So he gives gives us the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
and asks us to keep him with us, mm. right? He shall be in you. That's an invitation, but it's also a commandment. Mm. Keep that with you. Mm. And additionally, the Savior will not leave us. Yeah. He will come to us. Mm. Through the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, through the Holy Ghost. I, I love these I love these verses because this these chapters really, especially 14 and 15 in John, so clearly describe Christ as a separate being from the Holy Ghost to me and from the Father. Um, you, you know, we've, we've talked, and, and you'll probably share a little more of this, that the Holy Ghost really wasn't in full effect while Christ was walking around, right? There was kind of not a need for the Holy Ghost to affirm when Christ is there and can be the, the affirmer. But um, verse 20, at that day ye shall know that I am in, that I am in the, my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. So the Holy Ghost he gives to us, right? The gift of the Holy Ghost, we get that. And then he says, I am in my Father, and I am in you, and you are in me. And I think so many in the, in the Christian world use verses kind of like this to, to help validate the Trinity and to some degree. But man, such a clear, I am not a member of the Godhead <laughs> for so many reasons, me right? But, but in these verses, in this verse 20, uh, ye in me and I in you, if I'm in Christ like Christ is in the Father, and we put that meaning that they are one being, then I am also in Christ when I follow Christ's commandments. And that, I don't know that that's what the Savior intended here, right? But that the gift of the Holy Ghost could come and I could be instructed by him uh, to become more like him, I think is exactly what he meant. Yeah, I think so. Really cool, really cool. So, so even just as we reflect on those four, pretty much four things, yeah. I'm already think, thinking to myself and feeling even Believing in God and Christ, believing these things, yep. feeling troubled is already starting to kind of go mm. away because it's so simple. Keep my commandments. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cut no, it. Some people don't like rules. Sure. That's not me. <laughs> I feel so safe in the rules. I just love, I love a good boundary. I like yeah. to stay far away from it. Keep the companionship of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Yeah. We've been taught how to do that. Sure. Be worthy of it. If you've been baptized and given that gift, that's it. You might have to learn how to recognize its voice or how it speaks to you. But if you are worthy, it is with you. True. And then invite Christ into your life yeah. and call upon him. When you need comfort, he will come to you mm -hmm. and he will not leave you comfortless. Yeah. That's really interesting to me because earth is not comfortable. No. And in fact, I was with a friend last night that said, if we knew what we were setting up for, we would not have come. <laughs> I was like, I think you're right because how do I know? <laughs> This is not what I thought I signed up for. And that's okay. That's totally okay. If we go to Christ, because it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. We weren't sent here to just be comfortable for however long and then die and right, go. Sure. We would not learn anything if that was the case. Yeah. And it's going to feel really frustrating sometimes. They're just uncomfortable. So but this failure brings comfort. Yeah, I love that idea. And that, your friend's comment is, makes it's made me ponder a little bit. It, I didn't maybe know what I was coming down to, but God knew what he was sending me down <laughs> to, right? It's a little akin to, I think about my own children, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe we can all remember this about ourselves. Maybe it's true about high school to college years. When I had little children, they were getting ready to go to school. They were so excited about going off to school. And they're like, yeah, this is going to be so awesome. And then they go like the first day and they come along and like, oh. I don't want to go back to do that anymore. Not all of them, but some of them, right? Yeah. I, think, I think high school to college, there's so much excitement when you get done with high school, that daily drudgery of high school, right? And then you get into college and you move away from home and all the exciting things happen and then you sit in your first college class and you're like, oh man, this is the same as high school class was. <laughs> Different in some levels, right? But, yeah. but sometimes I wonder if 
Heavenly Father knew exactly what he was sending us to. Definitely. And even if I, in my ignorance, didn't quite grasp, I had a perfect father who knew, Yeah. okay, you're, you don't get it, but you're going to. And when you get there, I will leave you comfortless. I will give you this gift who will be able to bring a perfect spirit to you to teach you how to get through everything, right? Yeah. All things. No, that's in this verse two, in this ch chapter two. Can I jump over there? Yeah. Verse 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Christ says, I'm with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, in neither let it be afraid. So he kind of bookends this idea of the Holy Ghost, that you're going to be able to learn all the things you need. You're going to have peace and comfort in all the things. Um, and, and interesting, that little line about um, bringing all things to our remembrance. I think that was a specific instruction uh, um, and note given to the apostles where <laughs> the Holy Ghost is going to be able to come and say, hey, remember when Christ said he was going to be crucified and you didn't quite pick up on that? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, all those moments. But what a blessing to have the Holy Ghost teach us things that we've learned and then reteach us what they meant, mm -hmm. right? I just want to go back to 27. My heart is just so tender today for those young adults. Yeah. I've like cried to my seminary kids, which I never do. <laughs> but I think... It's a blessing to have a tender heart sometimes. And I think in verse 27, it's so sacred to me what it says. Peace I leave with you. Mm. My peace mm. I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's the second time he says not to have your heart be troubled. Mm. But that time he accompanies it with a gift. And I think nothing else in this world can give us peace. Yeah. Nothing. And there are a lot of people, I'm in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. I'm getting my master's in counseling. There are a lot of people that will tell you they can get you peace. Mm -hmm. A lot. Yeah. And they're doing, they're working their tails off. Sure. And they have some good ideas about how to regulate yourself and whatever. But there is nothing else that can give us peace mm -hmm. like the Savior. And I think if we don't recognize that, then we are remiss. Which brings me to verse 6. Mm -hmm. In 14 or? Oh, in, 14, okay. in 14. Jumping back to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I think the Savior gives us all these gifts. And we're going to talk about the Holy Ghost a lot today. True. But I think if we take the Savior out of that equation, we have lost the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. And we can't take him out. Yeah. And, and I think even in seeking the Holy Ghost, the Savior's right in the middle of that, right? I mean, it, the Holy Ghost says what the Savior would say if he were present. Yeah. Right? And so... And so I think sometimes there's this misconception. <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting. We we think that if Jesus came to our rooms and talked with us about the trial I'm going through and, and he made me feel a way, I would walk out the next morning and think, okay, I can handle this. Whatever the way is that I was taught, whatever the instruction I was given, I can, because Jesus came to my room. But because he sends the Holy Ghost, who says the exact same thing in the exact same way, with the exact same love and compassion and understanding, because he sends us the Holy Ghost, we don't adhere to it the same. We don't value it the same. It's not Jesus standing in my room. And yet, God values the Holy Ghost as the thing you cannot deny. It's the worst sin to deny the Holy Ghost, right? And, and I just it just makes me wonder sometimes if we put so much stock in what our eyes can behold or our hands can feel, that we eliminate the, the power of the Holy Ghost to teach us the truth of all things, right? And it really is only through the Holy Ghost that we get back to live with God. He's the way. He's the 
he's the answer to all the challenges and all the trials. He connects us to pointing us to Christ, yeah. right? Uh, I love that. I love that. Um, can I just one more thing, and then and then I want you to keep going. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty, mm-hmm. says, "By a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. This new and living way, being Christ, mm-hmm. through the veil, teaches us how to obtain and get back to live with God." Um, in this whole section of Hebrews chapter 10, um, it, it really teaches us about what Christ's blood did for us. But the, but this verse in, protect, in particular, speaking about the veil, it is the thing through the, that the Holy Ghost uh, speaks through the veil, right? He, he's present with the Father and with the, with the Son and has the capacity to come through the veil and be with us as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the gift. What a powerful gift, right, that's given to us that, that is a Godhead member who can pass to and from the veil whenever he feels a need or, or an assignment to do so. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is super cool. And I wonder too, just as you were talking about the contrast between if we thought the Savior was sitting on our bed, right. how we react yeah. versus the Holy Ghost. I think for so many people, they, they don't know how to recognize the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And that's valid. It is a tool that you have to practice. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite stories from learning how I had a piano teacher when I was little, Wendy, she is my hero, seriously. I think about her often and so many of the things she taught me. And she sat me down on the piano bench one day and said, when I was a little girl, I was convinced I couldn't feel the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And she said, I knew I was given the gift and that's was in high school. And I knew I had the gift, but I was convinced it was not with me. Mm-hmm. And she said, she sat down one day and she just thought, well, maybe I just asked to feel what it feels like without it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What an interesting question. Because she thought, if I know I have it, but I cannot tell what it is, then I should ask what it feels like without it. Mm-hmm. And she did. And she said for 30 seconds, she felt like what it was like without it. And it was the worst 30 seconds of her life. Oh, wow. And after that, she started to pray to recognize what it did feel like. Mm. And I think for young adults in particular, there are so many decisions that we know are big, that we've been told our whole lives. You're 20, you're going to make all these big decisions. Like, yay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but there's not necessarily like clear direction on how to navigate that. And that's okay because you have to figure it out on your own. It's going to look different for yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, the common thread through everyone is if you know how to to hear the holy ghost it's easier Mm. because there is guidance and if you understand that he is the voice of the lord to you personally Mm -hmm. then you take more weight in it too Mm. so like when i get promptings i sign them from it depends yeah like the holy ghost or from my brother jesus Mm -hmm. or from heavenly father and i write them in my journal like quotes Mm. because it helps me to put the weight to the prompting that in my mind is deserving of that. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't move to Boise, Idaho because I wanted to. Sure. I moved here because I felt prompted. Mm. But after telling the story to my first four people I told that I was quitting my job, and they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to remind myself like, no, you're doing this because you believe in a God and you believe that that God can talk to you through the Holy Ghost and you are going to do what he asks. Right. Even if that means you're going to quit everything you know and love and move to a place you've never been in two weeks, mm-hmm. you will do what he asks. Mm. I don't know if we know that totally as an adult, sure. that when there's a prompting, that's the way that holds. Yeah. I just don't know if we know that. Do, does does the typical young adult today look for the Holy Ghost in one or two ways and miss the other ways that it could be speaking? Maybe. I, sometimes I wonder that. Like, like I on occasion, will get emotional when I'm giving a talk. And it really only is when I'm giving a talk at, uh, as a, a member of the high council or whatever, right? at church and i very rarely get emotional in in these discussions or in class at the seminary or institute um and so that is a way i think the spirit can confirm some things to me 
uh, just the last time I spoke in an award in my stake, I remember I was reading the first uh, the first division story from Joseph Smith history, and I've and I've never really had like a punch you in the gut. This is true kind of moment mm -hmm. until just this last time. Mm -hmm. And now, don't get me wrong; I know the church is true, and I have total faith in that experience. And but I just never really had what I wanted to have, or I felt like I I, I should have had. And then I'm standing in this ward, and I'm literally just reading out of the scriptures, not having an emotional reaction. And then I get to God speaking and introducing his son to Joseph. And it just hammered me emotionally. And I remember thinking, well, I know I feel the Spirit in lots of ways. Why is that a way? And why is it not the way? Why do I feel it in a lot of different ways? I listened to uh, President Oaks talk about how he's never had uh, what, what he would say is quoted as the burning in the bosom. And then he says, it sounds like spiritual indigestion to me. And if that is a feeling uh, that is of the Holy Ghost, and I have never had it, and if that's the only way the Holy Ghost speaks, and I've never felt the Holy Ghost, but I have, <laughs> right? And he goes on. And, and so for some of us, we don't receive it in really stark ways that other people, it's pretty evident that that's what they're feeling, right? And I wonder sometimes if, if many um, set aside the feelings they have um, because they aren't goosebumps or they aren't tears or they aren't spiritual indigestion, um, and, they, and they just are thinking it's their own thought. It's their own feeling and not setting it uh, aside. I, I, let me add one more thing to that and then I want you to talk about it. I wonder if our, uh, our intent on earth isn't to actually have all of those things be our own thought. If I'm becoming like Christ and I'm becoming like my Father in heaven, isn't the objective for me at some point to no longer need to be prompted about all the things for it to actually be my thought? This is how I should do this. This is the direction I should go. Why do I get so angry or so anxious when I don't get prompted about the thing I feel like I should do? Well, if I feel like I should do it and it's right, do it. Why, why does the Holy Ghost need to confirm it if I'm becoming like Christ? Did the Father need to sanctify everything Christ did? Did he need to rubber stamp it before he did it? I don't think so. I think Christ was Christ and he lived his life. The Holy Ghost not being fully functional was obviously not there whispering in his ear everything he needed to do, though probably helping him, right? The Father through revelation and inspiration. But I think Christ was just good and was just acting good and didn't need to be told all things. And so sometimes I wonder if we just, we, we put too much credit in, I need someone else to tell me how to do this thing when I should be learning how to do it on my own. That's really interesting. My thoughts um, almost immediately went to, he probably didn't have to be told. Mm -hmm. He always went. Right. He always talked to the Father. And then he did good. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the pattern. Yeah. I think we talk to the Father and then we do good. And there are going to be times that we're going to need extra assistance. Yeah. And that's great. I'm so glad we have that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. We, we need it. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and yeah, please don't misunderstand that. I don't think that the Savior didn't go and didn't seek and didn't understand. I, I don't think he was just um, magically capable, mm -hmm. right? I, he did, he did receive guidance and direction from the Father, I'm sure. But but similarly, in in the garden experience that he's about to have here, um, he kneels down and says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. And then continues to pray as the horrible thing is happening to him, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't stop praying because he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. He kept praying. What, were he, what is he praying about? What's he thinking? What is he asking for? Take this away, take this away the whole time? I don't think so. I think he was he was grateful for the opportunity he had to do what he was going to do, asking for power and strength, right? But maybe there's a lesson in that for us in, in what we pray for and how we receive the promptings and, and follow Christ's direction, God's direction. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love this. Isn't this chapter just fantastic? There's so much in here. Yeah. It's so so much in here. 
I, can I, just one more thing here, and then and then are you jumping into fifteen? Or is that yep, is that yep, maybe totally again? Okay, so just again, I I've, I would point out that uh, as you read these this week, um, that you go and look for the the separation of Christ and God and the Holy Ghost uh, in here, verse ten. Uh, believe thou that I am in the Father and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works, right? Believe me and I, that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the work that I works for thy every work's sake. Um, very clearly saying, these aren't my works. This is not my thing. This is what God's asked me to do. We get to 28. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father for my Father is greater than I, right? I mean, this the distinction he's setting up between himself and the Father, um, that they are different beings and greater than Christ. Not in uh, in action, Christ is perfect. God is perfect, but God, being his Father, is greater by default as a Father, yeah. greater, and having a perfect resurrected body as well, right? Mm -hmm. Making him Christ imperfect until he obtains the same. Yeah. Anyway, just a couple of places there I think are are worth looking at. Super important. So take us into fifteen. So I think the connect. The connecting theme that gets me from 14 to 15 in my own mind as I'm thinking about how these days connect yeah. is that verse six, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And, and if I'm following him, I have to, well, I messed that up. But that verse makes me think I need to follow him, know him, and bring others to him. Sure. And that's what 15 is all about. That's what chapter 15 is all about when Jesus teaches about the vine. True. Sure. So when I read that first little thing, in the chapter heading, Jesus is the vine. I was like, okay, I've taught this a few times now. <laughs> but sometimes I like to pretend I'm an expert to my students and they believe it, which makes me feel really good about myself. <laughs> so like, I'll do like 20 minutes of research on like horticulture so that I can be like, did you know that XIV? I'm like, oh my gosh. Wow, you're so brilliant. <laughs> so like, okay, I have not done that for this, but I wish I had. So I looked up like, how does a vine function truly <laughs> growing up my grandparents they still have it they have a huge um grape plant thing that grape. grows on a trellis yeah, yeah something like that i don't know but we have grapes every the summer of you in podcast land she's got her hands <laughs> flailing around like this is what they have it's like an arch that it grows over oh, okay, okay. like an arch like an arch right? yeah no. sure okay so <laughs> i'm better teaching because my kids can see my hands see hand my face and no. all those things Anyways, so I've seen it work, and it, it grows, and it gets beautiful and huge, yeah. and then it dies, yeah. and it shriveled up. We have someone who's done the podcast that has grapes, Brock Olson, yeah. and he has this massive, it's like takes over the backyard, mm. dude. It's huge, and he grows all these grapes, and you pick off the grapes, and it dies. Yeah. It's really ugly right sure. now, but it's about to get pretty again. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I've seen the circle of life in a vine. Still don't know how it works. <laughs> so this is what I've learned. The vine feeds its branches. The branches cannot survive without the nutrition the vine provides. Mm. It not only gives them nutrition, it gives them water. It lifts them off the ground. Mm. The vine is single-handedly what keeps them from not getting on the ground and rotting. Mm. It supports them mm. and it anchors them. Mm. It's interesting. Really interesting considering um, in verse one, we learned that Jesus <laughs> is the vine. I am the true vine. Very first line. Water, <laughs> sustenance, support, Love. anchor. Mm. Can we think of better words to describe the Savior? Mm. No. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. And, and the next line, my father is the husbandman. There's separation. Yep. He's not me at the acting as the vine. But then the next line, every branch in me, not the vine, but yeah. the branches in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. The father makes that separation, not yeah. Christ. He's, he's there to just help you. 
But where you're not doing it, the father takes that role. Takes care of it. Uh, so it is not necessarily clear here who's what. I mean, it's clear who Jesus is right. and who the father is. Right. But if Jesus is the vine, I just want to, I want to clear this up because sometimes it's hard for me when I'm reading things like this. Yeah. So Jesus is the vine, the disciples are the branches. That's any of us right. that have decided to be disciples of Christ through our actions. Mm -hmm. The good works are the fruit. Mm -hmm. So the things we are producing, service, ministering, yeah, that makes sense. Fulfilling our calling. Those are those. That's the fruit. Yeah. And then Heavenly Father is the master gardener hmm. who has to go in sometimes and say, yeah, we're this isn't working. Yeah. And that's okay. Right. I just got called to the Institute president and there have been a lot of shifts yeah. here. There always are shifts in SI. Sure. It's just kind of how this world functions. And right. it's awesome. It keeps you on your toes, which makes it so you're never bored. Yeah. It also means that things get cut a lot. Yeah. And if you, if you're not comfortable with that yet, that is something I would just encourage anybody listening to this, young, old, medium, wherever you mm. like to be age-wise, that is something to remember that just because you're a branch that has bad fruit once mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're bad fruit branch forever. Yeah. And all he's going to do is say, I don't think that's it right now. Mm -hmm. We submitted close to 50 names for our council. Mm. How many are on it? Eight. <laughs> there were a lot of branches that we were like, it's budding. Yeah. No, no, not. <laughs> Look at that fruit. Oh, it's rotting. Oh. Sorry. And that's okay. Yeah. Getting comfortable with it, with letting Heavenly Father mold you mm. is what allowed my grandparents to turn what looked like Brock's backyard, which is just like a big sure. clump of them, yeah. into a beautiful vineyard that, that these grapes grow. I'm using my hands again, sorry, yep. you can't see. But it allowed them to grow in this beautiful way. But had no one ever done that, it wouldn't have worked. Well, and, and maybe um, I'll, just, I'll just share. You know, sometimes when we sit in our wards and in our church buildings and we have our leaders leading and they're not doing the way we would do it, we think, um, oh, this is horrible. I need to say something, yeah. right? I need to tell my bishop that this is going on in young women's. Let court, me fix it. Right? And, and I forget that the Lord is the vine and God is the husbandman and he comes in and corrects and makes those changes. I don't need to do it. In Matthew chapter 15, mm. which is actually a cross-reference on this verse, yes. um, it says, uh, he, Christ is, is asked the question, did you know that the Pharisees were super offended when you said what you said? And Christ says this. He answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, there was something going on and, and somebody had done something that my wife and I were like, oh man, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And, and I remember just feeling very calm and very clearly, just teach your kids what's supposed to be. You don't have to go fix the church. Just teach your kids. This thing yeah. is maybe not the way it should be being done, and that's okay, but this is how it should be, yeah. right? We're going to teach you this thing because this is the right thing. That's my stewardship. My responsibility yes. is for my own children. The church is there to assist me in that. Mm -hmm. I am not there to assist the church in making corrections. That's God, yeah. the Father, uprooting the things that need to come out mm -hmm. and uh, letting the blind lead the blind until they fall in the ditch, and I think that's going to happen. <laughs> and and that, Yeah. I think this conversation, I love it. It reminds me of uh, President Nelson's talk, uh, Peacemakers Needed. Yeah. I've gone back to that talk so many times, but that line that says, if there's anything virtuous, lovely, praiseworthy, or good or praiseworthy, mm -hmm. we want to speak those things about each other. And if it's not those things, then don't say it. Don't speak about it. And it's hard because yeah. you and I are fixers and we're good at it. Yeah. God gave us that gift. But what we're learning maybe in this season of our life is that it's not our job to fix everything. That just because we can doesn't mean we should yeah. or that it's our responsibility at all. Yeah. That's so well said. And, and Becca, <laughs> this is actually really funny that we're having this conversation. And I'm sure in your head you're like, see, I'm going to teach you, Matt. Because before we <laughs> before we had this, Matt, this, this, we hit record, 
we have been talking about some challenges that we see in the in the institute and in and not massive problems and not stuff that anybody needs to be worried about, but just <laughs> things that we see and we want to be different, right? And it's exactly this. It's exactly us without the, well, I don't have the assignment. You, on the other hand, have a very big assignment to make some corrections, but but where we don't have the assignment to make the corrections, um, maybe I ought to just let the vine be and not come in thinking I need to clip away at branches that I don't think are the right branches. It, the, the, the story of the uh, the vineyard, right? And that the Lord comes in and the Lord dungs about these this wicked fruit. He doesn't just cut it all off at the top, right? He, he tries to get it to be good first. And uh, maybe we just need to be a little more slow at seeing people's growth and recognizing, okay, maybe this will turn out really cool. And I just don't have the vision of that yet. I think it's hard. Yep. We are talking about serving in different capacities and not necessarily being a leader, but kind of yeah. being in that realm. Right. And uh, we didn't talk about this before, but I've been on Institute Council for like- A long time. I'm going to six years. Yeah. A long time. And I've been on it at different campuses and I've never been the president. Sure. And there have been years I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, I've loved it. Don't get me wrong. It is the, my fondest memories from college have been serving on Institute Council and all that that has done for me. <laughs> but when you're a fixer, you're like, oh, come on. Right. Come on, do it this way. Right. For the love. Yeah. I know you can. And Especially when you've seen it done differently work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then when I got to call to be president, yeah. there was like this moment like, oh no. Uh. <laughs> oh no when i was the when i was the branch i should have just been a really happy branch yes. <laughs> that was a really nice kind of my life you just have to worry about one fruit yeah right your one branch has your one grape sure they couldn't be that grape really beautiful yeah but instead for so many of those years and i did figure it out eventually don't worry for yeah. but for a lot of those years i was holding on to my grape so tight like my grape is perfect and then i'm looking at the vine like come on <laughs> and now that i'm the vine i'm like oh yeah I love my branches so much right. and I hope that they trust me. And your role changes. Yeah. Responsibilities change. I think that's something interesting to, to learn about grapes. We have grape plants in our backyard as well. And grapes grow new grapes on old, on new, on new growth, right? And so the, you, you're required to have the old growth because that's where the new growth comes from. But the old growth was last year's fruit. And so if you don't allow it to have new growth and you think this old last year's fruit was great, I'm going to just keep growing off of that. It will never fruit, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a necessity for that training, right? That 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 branch to become a little bit more like a vine, yeah. Um, and the stem of that always being Christ, right? That the that the roots and where that branches out from the ground is is always a savior. Love this concept. What a what a wonderful concept. Grapes out of one verse. It's like the grandma and um, Charlie and Chuck. Oh She's yeah. Like, oh, I like grapes. <laughs> I always think of that when I read this, and I want to slow down and do that. Yeah. Right when we're talking. I think sometimes maybe you guys can relate. My brain just goes so fast. I just, I'm like, yeah. just kind of like a chihuahua yeah. when there's like a hundred people around. It's like, ah! <laughs> and what if we really did just say, I am my branch. Who are my grapes? Who are, who is my stewardship? Yeah. And what can I do for that? Right. right? I'm the Institute choir director. What can I do for my kids sure. there? Right. I'm Institute president. What can I do for my eight council members? Yeah. That's really it. And if I let Christ and the husbandmen come in and purge everything else, that's verse two, right? That, yeah. That everything that they purge um, will go away, but for what reason? That it may bring forth more fruit. I'm not going to be good at tearing it out and yeah. building it my own way. It will never grow fruit if it's up to me, right? But God knows and the, and the Savior knows how to prune so that it will be most successful. Well, and that's the interesting part because when we learn about the vine, the vine gives water sustenance support and anchor mm-hmm. and the father or the the gardener 
prunes. So we can always rely on the Savior to help us and to lift us and to grow us. And sometimes the Father's going to say, okay, now let me cut you back. Let me show you a different way. Mm -hmm. I found that rarely does he just cut parts of me off. Yeah. But he says, my sweet girl, (laughs) let's try it this way. Yeah. And it might be uncomfortable. Sure. But he's not like, bad. No, well, actually, this is really perfect. My wife and I, uh, we were out in our yard getting our backyard ready for the spring and our grape plant hadn't been growing. And uh, it was beautiful on my neighbor's side. No. <laughs> it had grown up our fence and all we were looking at was the back side of the plant. It, yeah. As the sun rises uh, to the other side of our, our fence. And so the leaves were all growing on the other side of the fence. We we're just looking at the vine. And being a good neighbor, I didn't want my neighbor to have all the grape, right? So I reached over and I pulled all of the leaves back over to my side of the tree oh, wow. or the, of the fence. And then I wired them over so they would just be on my side and not have to, he wouldn't have to care for them. When I did that, my wife said, this looks horrible. And I said, I think it'll fix itself. But you're right, it does. Because what we were now looking at was the leaves that had been growing the other direction. I now pulled them backwards. And we were looking at the backside of every single leaf on the plant. And I said, I think it'll fix itself as it sees where the sun is. It'll face those leaves the right direction. And it totally did. Like that afternoon, we go back out there. And every leaf on the plant was facing the sun again and facing our yard. Isn't it interesting that the that the the gardener goes in and says, hey, you know what? This is not where you need to be. You need to be growing over here. And I looked bad. If I'm, if I, if I'm the plant, I look really dumb. I'm facing the wrong direction. Yeah. I don't look like I'm supposed to look. But this gardener pulled me on the other side of the fence. And now I have the ability for him to prune me correctly because yeah. now I'm growing in a space that I can actually be pruned yeah. and helped. And I look right. Yeah. I don't Isn't just like a bunch of vines. how it happens. And I just want to give an example because I think sometimes I love analogies and then I'm like, I'm not a plant. <laughs> I don't even know how I fit in. Yeah. But when I was calling counsel, that's how I felt. I'd like submit a name and I was like, I prayed about it. Yeah. I knew. And then be like, sorry. And I was like, I look so dumb. Is my revelation faulty? Right, sure. Like 40 names wrong? <laughs> Who am I? Did they get my name right? Like, if I can't even get eight people called to this counsel, I'm not sure I'm the one that's supposed to be leading it. But I mean, I found out in February, you guys, it is June. Mm. We just got our last council member called, hopefully tonight. <laughs> that's like five months. Mm. It took a lot of me coming to Benson. He was saying, oh, is it full? And me saying, nope. No, mm. it's not. Mm. Is it close? No, no it's not. <laughs> For five months. Mm. And it, it was a little bit like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. And then all of a sudden, it's like locked in. And it makes sense. And none of the other institute presidents before we had this. In fact, they were all, all like dumbfounded as to why I wasn't getting a council. Right. And there are lots of factors. But when I sat with my council on Sunday for the first time and looked at all of them, I like wept because That's I right. prayed for them for five months yeah. and got a plan for them. And the gardener had to make some changes and take my eyes to other stakes. Mm-hmm. Bring me. I mean, I cannot even tell you. Yeah. But the gardener had a plan. Mm. And as soon as we were all together, I felt lifted mm. and anchored. Mm. Those people at that table, it was like it just clicked and the grapes were where they're supposed to be. That's really cool. Sometimes it takes five months. Yeah. Sometimes it takes five years. Mm-hmm. Five seconds, five yeah. minutes, whatever. If we trust the gardener, right? In seminaries and institutes, we talk about having an eternal perspective. When we have questions, sometimes we flip out. But if we can pause, focus on the Savior, and zoom out and have that eternal perspective, that changes everything. Yeah. Those five months really went by pretty fast. Yeah. When I, I had to go back and look and see when I got called, because someone said, how long did it take for your counsel to get called? And I was like, oh, I don't know, like six weeks. And they're like, go and look like looked back to the day I got called. I was like, it was actually February 2nd. <laughs> but constantly I heard from our director and just in my own revelation to trust. Mm. And we're not always going to get it. And our and our spouses might say like, that looks ugly. Mm-hmm. What did you do? Right. 
you're like, I don't know. Yeah. But it won't work out if we keep our focus on the Savior. Yeah. Yeah, Becca, I really love that. I, I think this is, uh, I think it's helpful for us to see our lives in um, mechanical ways, to see our lives in uh, caricature sometimes, to, to be able to look back and, and look at a five months period of our life, right? And say, oh, this is what was going on in there. Lots of things were happening in that so much, right? Things, yeah. But But if we just follow that one thread all the way through, uh, I think it's easy to see, oh, the Lord was involved in this. I just didn't see it. I didn't see the, the scope that he saw. It's interesting, too, that, that you wouldn't have come up with the same. If they had just given you the first group of people that you requested, your counsel would be a very different counsel. And your experience and learning about what you want, what you need, what you feel like this, the Spirit has taught you over this course of five months would be a very different experience as well. Mm-hmm. And so probably you're more capable now than you were five months ago to lead because of the experience you've had just in finding your counsel. Oh, it's fascinating. Right. Because I was, I was on council. It was, it was like kind of a very funky situation. Sure. I was serving on council in the presidency. No one knew. <laughs> and just to even watch and to pay more attention to things in those last three months of the semester, we were still in full force. Right. Like we put on three major events yeah. when I got called personally to over the pulpit, yeah. right? Like right. there were lots of things that happened and, and I think it just goes back. Do I trust the vine enough? Yeah to let him lift me up and when the gardener says not right now nope and i'm like okay Mm -hmm. and by the end of that's how it was right i'd be like i tell my presidency hey i've submitted these names don't hold your breath (laughs) but it wasn't i wasn't sad Mm -hmm. it was just like we can't don't bet on anything right and then someone get approved and someone get denied let me say maybe one would get approved most would get denied But then that one person we were just so happy for. And, and I think that's been the biggest blessing is that my council, they could screw the whole year up. And I'd be like, they came. <laughs> I love them because they showed up. Yeah. And well, that's a gift. Yeah, this is cool that the Lord just binds you back with bailing wire once in a while and just says, nope, not here. You're not going to grow that way. We want you to grow this way. And, yeah. And ultimately, that's the right it's the right way, right? It's the, it's the direction we should go. Um, it, um, and maybe, that, maybe verse 19 is applicable. Uh, in chapter 15, it says, if you were of the world, the world would love you, his, love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. If, if we just look at Becca's last five months and say, is she going to be a successful president based on the last five months? The answer the world might give is no, she can't get anybody called, <laughs> right? But if we look at it from the Lord's perspective, oh man, is Becca going to be successful? Yes. Look at how much faith she had and the effort she was willing to put in and the prayers and the tears and the, all the conversations that have happened. Um, to do it right, Becca's going to be an awesome leader, right? I mean, I, I think it's so cool to see the way the world looks at us versus the way the Lord looks at us as two totally different things. My great plant looked horrible, but what it turned into because the gardener was willing to pull the great plant over. But just for a little while, yeah. which is a phrase that is in these four chapters, yeah. I didn't even count, but like a lot yeah. for a little while. Mm-hmm. In chapter 16, maybe 17, I don't remember, the Savior's talking about being gone. Mm. And he says for a little while, seriously, you guys, like 10 times, back to back to back. As he's talking, I think it's in 17, when he's just talking about how he's going to be gone. And and I think we have to remember that. That the Holy Ghost for me often reminds me for a little while. Be still for a little while. I know it's hard for you to sit still. But for a little while, please do that. Yeah, and the Savior even says that in 16. Maybe I'm just jumping us ahead. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, He says um, in verse 5, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither thou goest. Mm -hmm. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. 
but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. I just think there's some end of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I think there's so, uh, it's so touching to me that the Savior got that he is Christ. He is perfect. He is healing and doing miracles. And if there's any person who has ever lived on earth that we should want to be around, it's him. But what does he say? It is expedient for you that I go away. Because you need the Spirit. You need the gift of the Holy Ghost to come to you and confirm everything I've taught. You need me not to sit at the foot of your bed, as good as I am, as perfect as it might be, as good as the counsel would be. You need to learn these things spiritually, not temporally. Yeah, okay. Let's. Can we pause for just a second? Mm -hmm. This is not deep thinking, what I'm about to say. In fact, I hope you guys laugh wherever you're listening to this. But... Recently at a workshop, I was asked the best way to turn down a date or break up with someone. I have no idea. That's what I told them. I was like, be nice and be clear. I'm just saying the Savior gives us a good example. I have to go for your, like, what is he, where is it even at? Just run it. It's 15 verse uh, 7. Yeah. For if I go not away. It is expedient that I go away for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the answer, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) No, the answer is no, and it's best for you. Yeah. You're sad that I'm telling you I'm going to be killed, right? But if you understood where I was going to go, yeah. he's, he's even said this in these verses. Yep. If you understood where I was going to go, if you knew what I was doing, you would rejoice. You would be so grateful that I'm willing to go away, yeah. that I'm willing to die for you on the process and go through the, the atoning experience yeah. as I go, and that even after I leave, I'm going to give you the comforter which is going to teach you all things. Yeah. Because currently all you've got is me walking around doing miracles that are wonderful and fantastic, but you're not learning what you need to learn because it's not spiritually feeding you. Yeah. It's just temporarily teaching you. Which was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Don't wonderful. Yeah, discount. Don't discount it. I love the cool way Bruce R. McConkie from like 1965 that says, as long as Jesus was with the disciples in person, there was not the full need for them to have the constant companionship of the spirit yeah. that there would be after he left. Yeah. That is a significant quote for us in particular today because Jesus has never lived with us. But the companionship of the Holy Ghost has always been available to us. And so I think as we reflect, even just on what we've looked at so far today, the Savior's moral ministry is my favorite thing on the entire world to study. And recently I've realized it should always be my favorite thing to study because Mm -hmm. he is the goal. But he will, I will never experience that in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. But what I can always experience is the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And I want to experience the Holy Ghost's mortal ministry. Yeah. He doesn't have a physical body, but he's here in this mortal realm. And I want to experience that. Yeah. And as I do, I will come to understand Jesus's mortal ministry better than I could just by studying it. Yeah. The Holy Ghost has to be a part of that for this to become yeah. perfectly relevant. Yeah, that's so important. And, and to understand the Holy Ghost, his role, his makeup, his character, everything, I think is really valuable. Um, to know, and this is interesting, Gospel Principles Manual, we talked about this before we hit record, mm-hmm. Gospel Principle Manual teaches us that um, the Holy Ghost is a personage, and because he's a personage, he can only be in one place at the same time. Mm-hmm. However, his influence can be held, be felt everywhere. And I think sometimes in, in our simplest prayers, we ask, please bless us, the Holy Ghost will be here. And the reality is, is the influence of the Holy Ghost can be there, mm-hmm. but he can't be in your room, in my room, in all of the rooms at the same time, but his influence and his his, uh, his, his direction can be. And there's something there that I'm excited to learn about in the next life, right? Why is it that Christ 
needed the Holy Ghost, somebody of, of, of spiritual personage, and, and probably with some more study, there's answers to that question. But, but isn't it interesting that we learn from the Holy Ghost about Christ? Everything is done vicariously, right? Christ for us vicariously suffered. We of Christ learn vicariously through the Holy Ghost. It is having faith to a T all through life, right? That every component of our testimony is built on our faith on someone else. Uh, strengthening us and helping us helping us become what we need to become back with our Father in Heaven. Yeah. Love that. Becca, take us into 17. Um, unless there's something else in 16 you really need, we need to cover. Well, there's so much we're missing. There's so much. I just want to point out, sometimes when I'm on things like this yeah. or like teaching, I always like testify like, life's hard, but God is good and there's joy. Right. So I'm like, people must think my life like really stinks. <laughs> but it, my life is so joyful, but I think it just touches my heart so much to know that God's plan accounts for all of it. Yeah. When I'm feeling happy, yeah, it's not. True. I'm good. Yeah. When I'm feeling sad, that's when it really counts for me. And I think in verse 22 in particular, um, I just think of his sweet friends who want to know so badly why he has to go. Right. And they are they have to be just heartsick. Yeah. Um, and then in 22, I love this. It says, "And ye now therefore have sorrow. You're sad right now. Yeah. But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man can take from you." Right. I love that promise because we don't get to have the Savior with us right now. But that reunion, I just think about right before I left to come to earth. And I think, oh, he must have just given me this big brother pep talk like, you're yes. so tough and you're going to have so much right. fun and I can't wait to hear all about your trip around the earth. How many times did you sure. get to go? Right. And when I get to be with him again, he's going to be like, what happened? I'm going to be like, you didn't tell me it was going to be this hard. <laughs> but that's not going to be the first thing I'm going to tell him. The first thing I'm going to tell him is, you're like I'm so glad I'm back with you and this is so happy and we'll talk about the bad days because they're gonna be really funny now that it's all good right but our joy no one can take that from us yeah no one yeah and the Savior can take away all of our sorrows right so there is literally always reason to be joyful yeah yeah I love that and I and I also think that it is hard to say this you know we we've both been through some pretty traumatic things in our lives and and our my at least my experience haven't been half as bad as some owners right for sure and and so I say this with a little bit of a grain of salt but but with faith in Christ that I know that someday all of those horrific and traumatic things will be made right. I don't know how that happens, mm -hmm. but I know that there won't be a need to delve into them deeply mm -hmm. for Christ to just say, here's the reason and here's how I helped you through that mm -hmm. and here's how I'm going to make it right. Yeah. And I think for us to be able to look at those past experiences in our lives and just stop thinking about them and look forward with an eye of faith and with the blessings that God has in store for us, what a powerful day that will be for those. And I think of, of some of my friends that just struggle with mental health, um, that deal with just a constant barrage of, of negative in their lives. And even me, sometimes I, I, I get kind of negative uh, to, to just think that there will be a day where all of it will be positive, mm -hmm. that everything will be made right. And that while there will still be trial and challenge and learning and growing, yeah. the trial and challenge of sorrow and sadness and, misery because of sin and because of our own weaknesses uh, will largely be be kept from us yeah. and until we're in the father's shoes we really won't have those experiences again and even then he'll just see it in his children right yeah he doesn't he doesn't struggle with sin again anyway i just i think there's something powerful there to to look forward to oh yes and i'm so grateful you brought that up because i never ever want to minimize no right yeah any of that i mean i'm in counseling right now like sure. i don't i don't ever want to skirt around that yeah i think you can't see me right now, everyone, but I'm in a bright yellow dress. Like, yeah. I like the sunshine. I like to be happy, but 
I cry and I'm sad and there are things that are hard. And you're right, hard things do happen. Yeah. And I don't ever want to minimize that. But my favorite thing about joy is that it doesn't equate to happy. Yeah. It equates to meaningful. Mm-hmm. It equates to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think when I remember that, I can be joyful always. Yeah. Joyful is not walking on sunshine. It is saying it doesn't matter how hard it gets. God is good and it will be okay someday. Mm. And I will be happy someday. I think that's important to remember, yeah. especially in this promise, right? You are sorrowful. He does not say don't be sorrowful. Mm-hmm. He says you are sorrowful, but one day you will rejoice and your joy will not be able to be taken away. Yeah. That's a powerful promise. Promise. Yeah, that really yeah. is. I love that. Becca, I've loved having this conversation with you. We haven't really touched 17. I, I might just suggest this, and if there's something you want to share, please feel free. But I might just suggest that when you read this this week, um, that you focus your thoughts on verse 20 mm-hmm. and read everything else with the context of verse 20 to John chapter 17. He's been praying about his disciples, his apostles in particular, and asking for specific blessings to them. But then he says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. He includes you and me in this fantastic prayer, in this wonderful place where he's going, maybe as we've talked about, uh, as the advocate, or he's praying the Father these things, that we might recognize this whole of chapter 17 is a prayer for me and for you and for Peter, James, and John and all the 12, but for any that he says, um, which shall believe on me that they all, verse 21, may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. This whole chapter, this whole promise and uh, in blessing is given to everyone that believes on him, that we might help others find him. But but as you read 17, just keep that in, in your head. Don't Don't skip the first 19 verses as blessings for you because he's speaking of the apostles, because by 20, he says, I'm including everybody in this. Yeah. yeah. Anything else in there that would, that you just really make, want us to, to see? Um, I love directions. So verse three stood out to me, but I actually think I would just, um, it all comes back to the father and the son. Yeah. I don't even feel the need necessarily to read it over the podcast. I think your invitation, 17 is such a powerful one to study on your own. In fact, really all of these chapters, like they're ones that you don't even have to skip around to make sense of, yeah. right? Like 14 in particular, I just loved reading it all the way through from beginning to end because yeah. there are so many truths that can just come right out to you. And I would say the same is true for 17. If you start with verse 20 mm-hmm. and then go back, mm-hmm. this is just one. It's not even that long. I think it's like yeah, this, 26 verses. Yeah. It's not even a full page to say, how do I need this? What from these 26 verses does the Savior want me to understand in this season of my life? Mm-hmm. And to go through with a pencil or a pen or whatever you use to study and to just mark it up and let the spirit guide you, right? Let the Holy Spirit guide. Let his whisper govern choice. Yeah. It's one of my favorite hymns. Let his whisper govern your your behavior. Let these verses speak to you yeah. and and have the Holy Ghost as your companion as you do. These chapters are wonderful. I love that. I think this chapter in particular, you know, we, we shared section 45 that Christ is going to be our advocate. This is literally, chapter 17 is literally him interceding on our behalf. This is what he says to Christ, to God, as Christ. Um, and, in, and in these particular verses for the first century or 18, he's speaking of the apostles, but then he, it's almost like he catches himself. And he's like, no, I'm speaking this for everyone that is, that is going to be one of mine. And this is what I think in, in long form, 
he's meaning when he says in section 45, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin. 17 is really what he says. Yeah. These are all the blessings I want for this person. So man, what a great invitation. I think that's the right way to end this today is to go in and look for Christ's invitation to you to be one of his mm -hmm. and look for the blessings he's willing to give to you um, because of what he's done. Yeah. Becca, this has been fantastic. Um, what a what a privilege we have to have you at the helm at the Institute and uh, just grateful for all of your years of leadership and experience and uh, that we get to see you at the helm is, is exciting. Maybe, I've, I've asked this question of my colleagues um, in previous recordings, but maybe you have a unique perspective and a unique comment to this. What? I don't want to ask it the way I've been asking. I've been asking if you could take people's agency away and just force them to know something. Oh, wow. Right? What would you want them to know? But I want to ask it a little bit differently to you. If you could, with love, help those that come to the Boise Institute feel welcomed and wanted, what would you want to tell them? Yeah, so interesting that that's your question. I've been thinking about that a lot. And there was a song that came out on Friday by the band Kane. I'm obsessed with them. Kane. I think we talked about them last time. Kane. Yeah, Kane. C-A-I-N. Kane. Um, it's a sibling band. They write worship music. They're wonderful. Kay. They had a song drop on Friday called Anymore. And it's from the frame of reference that Heavenly Father's talking to his child. And they did this podcast about what, it, what it's supposed to mean, cool. right, to the cool. listener. Cool. And they said, we want you to think of a time in your life when you thought no one could love you. Mm. And this is the course they want us to know. I couldn't love you any more than I do right now. There's nothing I wouldn't go to get to you, my child. Take a look at that cross. Then you'll know it for sure. I couldn't love you anymore. Mm. I could not love you anymore. Mm. That is how I feel about the adults in the Sally. I am not perfect. And before I was sustained or called, I had opinions. I had a lot of opinions about people. But I love the middle of the stally and when they come to this building i won't always be here right mm -hmm. but when they come i hope they know that he loves them and that the love i feel for them is because of him mm -hmm. because for this season and for this time he has given me a portion of his love for these people mm -hmm. and when they come to this building i want them to know that not only that i love them and i hope they do know that and i hope that when i see them and i learn their names that they feel my love for them that is genuine yeah but that more than anything through the teachers and the administrative assistants and all of us, that they know that their Heavenly Father could not love them anymore. Yeah. He loves them to infinity and beyond, and nothing they do can mess that up. Yeah. And that this is a place to learn and grow and become. And the beauty of the Institute is that we are not your church leaders. Yeah. That that you get to be with your bishops and learn and grow and repent in those ways, which is beautiful. But that here we love you perfectly mm. as we can as humans. Yeah. As you are. That would be Man, I love that. Um, can I just share a quote that is a prophetic quote that supports everything you just said? Yeah. Um, President Hunter, Howard W. Hunter said, I am sure you recognize the potential danger of being so influential and so persuasive that your students build an allegiance to you rather than to the gospel. I think of Becca, and I just think how vibrant and engaging you are and how, how everybody that comes down here and gets to know you just wants to be around you. Um, but... President Hunter's counsel is, he says this, now that is a wonderful problem to have and to wrestle with. And we would only hope that all of you, speaking of teachers in particular, are such charismatic teachers. And then he says, ultimately, you must invite your students directly to Christ, not just the one who teaches his doctrines. How, uh, however, ably, you will not always be available to those students. You cannot hold their hands after they have left high school or college, and you do not need personal disciples. Your thoughts, your message there that they come down here and Becca won't always be here. It's true. As much as I want Becca to be here for everybody that comes in the room, 
but that you would point them through you and past you to Christ is such the message that we need here in the valley right now. For those of you that are out there um, who are in our valley, uh, who haven't checked in at the Institute, I'm, I'm just going to, I don't do this very directly very often, but you need to come be at the Institute. Um, you need to come and get to know people like Becca, um, people like my colleagues that are just fantastic men and, and sisters to know um, who have an assignment to teach and to guide and direct you uh, back to our Father in Heaven. It isn't a saving ordinance to come to the Institute. It's not going to be something that you can or can't get into the Kingdom of Heaven because of. But man, it'll sure help you along the way uh, to get back there and to be there. And, and for those of you that aren't in our valley, there are institutes everywhere. There are men and women like Becca and my colleagues that are fantastic uh, disciples of the Savior that could guide and direct you back home and to help you, right? Yeah. Becca, thank you for being that in our valley. Thank you. For our young adults. It was good to have you. Can we have you back? Yeah. 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 Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, Becca. Thank you.